Welcome everyone. I am Andrew Duckworth and I would like to thank you for joining us for our special series of BJJ podcasts on the COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic is the most significant healthcare crisis of our generation and has led to severe worldwide disruption like which we have not seen in many decades. Through these podcasts, we hope to consider the main issues that have arisen as a consequence of the COVID-19 pandemic for us in orthopedic and trauma surgery, as well as on our healthcare profession as a whole. We hope to give you insights from our colleagues throughout the UK, as well as from across the globe. We'll also take the opportunity to hopefully look forward to the future in terms of both the recovery phase and what we can anticipate when the worst of this pandemic is hopefully over. So today I have the privilege of being joined by the president of the BOA, Mr. Donald McBride, who I know will be able to give us an exceptional overview and insight into the clinical and professional challenges we are facing each day at both the national and regional level, how this is affecting training and education, how the BOA is working very hard to help with these issues, and finally, what is in store for us moving forward. Many thanks, Don, for taking the time to join us today. Not at all, Andrew. Very nice to speak to you. So, if we could just, first of all, talk about, obviously, we'll get on to the, uh, the, the bits of the, our specialty that's affected, but if you could give us a, an overview of what you feel the impact of the pandemic has been on the NHS as a whole, both in our healthcare system, our ability to pr uh, provide service, and the potential consequences we are seeing and, and potentially will see moving forward. Well, I think that uh, this is something that probably not many people envisaged was going to happen, even when matters started in Wuhan just a few months ago. Uh, in the UK, it is almost like a wartime deployment. We have effectively wartime politicians at the present time. And I think that uh, with, because of that, the NHS and the economy is going to be very severely affected for some, some months to come, basically. Uh, the problem we have in kind of like generally is not just in orthopedics, but staff are being redeployed across, uh, across the whole scale of things. Uh, we are seeing um, retraining of surgeons to do things that they probably never expected to ever have to consider. Mm -hmm. And that's also the case, I think, with our specialist nurses. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think a number of specialist nurses are also retraining to do things that they probably weren't expecting to do as well. Mm. I think we should remember that um, it depends a little bit of where you are in the curve as well of the pandemic. Having spoken to a number of people across Europe and across the world in, in the past week or so, we are all at various different parts of that curve. Yeah. And in fact, politically, we're all using very different methods of managing the problem. Mm. Um, some, for example, in Sweden are kind of like effectively doing very little, mm -hmm. expecting things to come quickly and pass quickly, which they probably will. Mm -hmm. And others, of course, are suppressing things by self-isolation and a number of other um, techniques, more or less to protect certain parts of the public. Yeah, they say the over 70s, but it might even be the over 50s from what's been going on recently. Mm -hmm. And of course, those who have previous uh, health conditions are, are more likely to be more severely affected. Mm. I think in the longer term, we have to bear in mind, and it's not often an orthopedic surgeon will talk about this, but the mental health issues of people, including the staff, is going mm. to be quite significant, I think. Yeah. It's very difficult, and we've seen videos online quite regularly recently of uh, nurses from intensive care and other parts who are clearly very drained by the whole process. So I think that now, currently, in the future, there are going to be quite a number of mental health issues we'll have to deal with, even in, including in our own staff, effectively. No, absolutely. It is quite a difficult time for everyone. Yep. No, I agree, Don. I think uh, what's been interesting about uh, uh, doing this series is how that theme of mental health, both for um, the healthcare profession and our patients, has been a, a thing that's come up every time. And I think it's something we have to be very wary of because it's something we can 
in times like this when we're just concentrating on our clinical care we can sometimes forget about those things can't we and i think it's something we must keep it very much in the forefront of our mind i think about we, f we forget about them principally personally yes the other the other thing that is important is actually our own hygiene yeah. going to and from work it should now be quite a religious kind of process effectively mm. i.e we should be uh, making sure that we protect our family friends and those around us as well yeah uh, uh, that's particularly the case coming back from work but actually going to work is also quite important how we deal with things mm. we should not be seeing staff in uniforms in supermarkets etc mm. that sort of thing yeah. i get a bit concerned when occasionally i do see people like that mm. no, uh, that's something we have to bear in mind absolutely so if we move on from that from that long and talk about you know, very much our, our specialty, the trauma and orthopedic specialty. What do you feel have been the main sort of impacts that you've seen on our, on our specialty so far? Well, this has been quite interesting, actually. Um, from the trauma point of view, things have decreased quite significantly across the board. Major trauma, uh, other aspects of trauma care seems to have dropped quite, uh, quite a lot. I think that um, we have to also bear in mind that Quite a number of other specialties seem to be having the same issue. Um, we've, we've been told that things like acute abdomens, problems like that, seem to also have dropped. No one seems to understand quite why appendicitis, etc. So it's not just in trauma and orthopedics that there is an issue regarding that side of things, but it certainly across the board has been affected. Mm. Really, there are things that have happened. So elective care has been suspended, and mm. um, that will have quite significant short and long-term effects. We went into this on the back of quite significant inpatient waiting lists. Mm. And uh, our prime minister actually said that that was going to be one of his major uh, things he was going to try and address. And of course, this will really have uh, affected that quite significantly. Absolutely. The elective side is going to be interesting, shall we say, over the next few months as well. Training is obviously important and education. Now, if you speak to, again, people across Europe, as we have done, I think, they, I think they're looking at things in a different way. A number have actually said that this is educational. It's something we should be learning from. Mm. Of course, when you look back at wartime, etc., that is when trauma and orthopedics actually learned a lot. Maybe the wrong sort of site type of thing to learn from, but in fact, that's what you do. Yeah. So uh, across Europe, they're actually turning this to training and education uh, experience as much as possible, uh, given the concerns, obviously, regarding the virus itself from that point of view. Um, I think that uh, the other side of things that's important, of course, is that we don't have as many face-to-face -face calls anymore, uh, sorry, as many face-to-face -face interviews anymore. We don't see patients very often. You can, but you really should make, keep that to the bare minimum. Yeah. We were talking about virtual fracture clinics, mm. um, and now we're talking more or less about virtual everything, effectively. Yeah. Uh, and it has to be said that technology out there is really quite, quite mm. significant now for doing this. So video conferences with your patients are quite important. Mm. Uh, these will probably be mainly in uh, those who have had trauma care effectively. Yeah. Elective patients that you might want to catch up with just in case there's an issue. Yeah. Or they might catch up on you from that, that side of things. Mm. The patients are, are really important, though, however. We need to try and remember that they are going through a delayed treatment for a lot of things, such as total joint replacement. Yeah. So we need to contact and involve ourselves with patients and patient groups and actually try and get a handle 
on how much that has affected them because yeah. I think that will be quite significant. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you think, I mean, pick up on that, do you think, obviously we have changed the way we've, we are, we're seeing the patients at the moment, like you say, with technology and things like that. Do you think any of that, you know, when this is, is finished, do you think that could persist in some ways? There's been some benefits, like you say, learning from, from our experiences and taking it forward and advancing things potentially in some ways. There are, there are some very, very good uh, articles on this, and I think that it's un undoubtedly that we will be doing more. Yeah, yeah. I think we were kind of going that line, down that line anyway. It's just that this has become uh, more evident, and it, it probably for a lot of conditions, particularly for follow-up appointments, uh, a video conference with your patient is just as effective. Absolutely. Uh, surgeons in general terms like to uh, examine their patients, not necessarily once, but more, more than once. So it will probably be a little bit of an issue. But I think that, yes, I think that that's going to be coming much, uh, much more frequent. Absolutely. As you say, that would be positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I think it's interesting you say about the, the training. I think, uh, again, having spoken to some people from, from Europe and elsewhere, we spoke to Kenny Gull uh, in America as well, you know, coming up. And I think it's interesting how they, they have said the same thing. It's almost, you know, rather than thinking of this as trauma and orthopedic training, this is training to be a doctor. And actually there's a lot to be, to be gained from that. And I think that that is definitely true. And that's definitely your feeling you've got as well from that. Indeed. And of course, actually, in lots of ways, it's gone back to the original surgical training because um, people do not go through emergency departments anymore, but they certainly are probably doing that now. Absolutely. Yeah. And that basic training, which I had and which a number of my contemporaries will also have had, included this kind of care. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, therefore, perhaps a revisit is not such a bad thing. Absolutely. No, I agree. So if we go on to sort of the role of the BAOA, what, 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 what has been, you feel, the main, um, I suppose, um, issues that you, you as a BAOA have taken to tackle during this crisis, both, both, on a, both on a national and regional level? Well, I think what I have to do here is uh, say that the offices of the BAOA have been closed, but the BAOA staff have been absolutely wonderful in the support that they have given to this. Mm and particularly in policy and programs, but also in other areas. Mm. We have been signposting and delivering on our website uh, updates for our members, for our patients, and for those who wish to access them from here and abroad. In fact, uh, I, uh, in my conversations with those from abroad, a number of them have been using these uh, signposted documents. We have a boast which we've been using in the past. We have uh, specific BOA member uh, information on the website. We also now have a transient journal of trauma and orthopedics with the coronavirus, yeah. which has been very well, uh, very well looked at. Uh, plenty of hits on the website for that one. It has very good articles looking at various issues, mm. including legal issues about what may be the situation in the future. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have links to NHS England, Public Health England. That's about the sort of thing we were talking about, PPE, yeah. personal equipment, laminar flow. There's a little bit of contention about that. Mm. I think our guidance is much clearer than some. I agree. Again, has been used very well from that point of view. Um, so these are the main things that we have done, and I think that we will continue to do that. We update it quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes at the beginning, every couple of days, but now it's probably down to a few days, perhaps a week, mm -hmm. as we are kind of like heading into the uh, more difficult part of what's happening in the UK. London has been badly affected initially, 
In America, that's been shown in New York. So when you have the big conurbations, that is where they will be affected. Um, and it's going to spread out to the provincial areas now. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. And in terms of, I suppose that leads on nicely, how, how I mean, nobody can predict the future. And I think this is probably one of the hardest things to predict moving forward. And as we've mentioned before, maybe a sense of positivity if we can find one. But how do you see us progressing, I suppose, over the next weeks to months in our specialty? Um, and how do you eventually see us sort of coming out of this, not only as a healthcare system and as a country, but also as our specialty as well? Well, it's always a little bit difficult to be positive uh, at this situation, having spoken to uh, colleagues from Spain and Italy in particular, who've been having a terrible time with this condition. Absolutely. I have to say that uh, there is some uncertainty. Mm. I think the immediate future, really, we're going to be staying in lockdown for longer than people think. I think that's going to go on for a little bit longer than people think. I've heard various timescales on this. Mm. Six months, 12 months, some people even this morning on BBC News, two years. Mm. So I think that, that that return to what we might call normality might be quite a bit in the, in the future yet. Mm. I think from an orthopedic, from an orthopedic point of view, we're hoping that uh, the suspension of meetings, for example, courses, education and so on, hopefully will start to kick in towards the beginning of 2021. Mm. But I can't see it being before then. Yeah. And in one of the biggest conferences, EFORT has just cancelled relatively late on. But I think there are other reasons why that's happened. Mm. So effectively, I think it's going to be longer than people think. Mm. I think we'll never go back to normality, as you call it. We mentioned earlier on about things like video conferencing, that sort of Mm. thing. Uh, We have to be a little bit wary about um, some of the conditions and so on that we treat. Perhaps politicians will revisit some of the things that we treat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's important that we make sure that our patients remain central to all of this because it is their orthopedic and trauma conditions that we are really really focused on trying to manage now Mm -hmm. in the future. And there will be, I hate to use the term, but there will be a tsunami of orthopedic problems when this all comes to an end. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's interesting. And I think, I think that's right. I think, but I think it's the, as you say, I think what um, I think is as a profession and the public find out it's the unpredictable nature of it, isn't it? But I think the feeling is that we have, we have started on this path. And if we, if we release things too early with regards to the lockdown, it, we, we could end up with just being where we were having had, having had this, uh, this, this time off already. Would you agree with that? I think that's. Yeah. But what we have at the present time is I think, well, I think the politicians are actually being relatively sensible in the UK. Mm. Uh, it's always terrible to say absolutely sensible, but relatively sensible. Yeah. And I think that the only potential risk they have, and, and they've already highlighted it themselves is that they may have a second bounce. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So they have actually uh, created a situation where, they have quietened it down regarding the surge which might affect intensive care, et cetera, in hospitals. Mm. But by doing that, you don't have the herd immunity that people talk about, yeah. which means that that second surge is less likely to occur. Yeah. So your protected groups, if you have a second surge, may be even more at risk. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think at the present, um, we will just have to see how far the lockdown goes. And, Hopefully people will manage it themselves because I think that people uh, do need to realize that it is what they do that's important. Absolutely. Um, I had a thing yesterday about 
allowing younger people to go out and because they're much less at risk. And I was thinking, unfortunately, they're the ones who are going to spread it to the ones who are at risk. So that's probably not the best idea. No, no, absolutely. Well, Don, thank you for that. And that's all we've got time for. But that was a really uh, excellent overview and insight today. And we really do appreciate you taking time to join us. I know how busy you are at the moment. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you. And finally, as always, we'd also like to acknowledge and thank our many colleagues around the UK and across the world for their ongoing enormous efforts and contributions in the delivery of care to our patients during uh, this difficult time and during this pandemic. We at the General thank you and we'll continue to support you in uh, any way we can. Stay safe and well and thanks for listening.